a podcast featuring ordinary men of extraordinary faith. This is Mana. Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Mana, a podcast featuring ordinary men of extraordinary faith. I'm your host, Jeff Peterson. Now, none of the guys that you're going to meet on this podcast would consider themselves to be extraordinary. But it's their humble, holy way of living. It's exactly what makes them extra, and I am excited for you to meet them. All right, so this is going to be very ironic here because for those of you that do know me well, you know that I hate it uh, when people do what I am just about to do here. Okay, so you know that tune that goes, "We are one in the spirit. We are one in the Lord. We are one in the spirit. We are one in the Lord." Big ending here. And they know we are Christians by our love, by our love. And they know we are Christians by our love. Okay, that was brutal. I hate that. I sincerely cringe when people just break out into song like I did just there. And and I really don't appreciate it when people put those kind of like earworms now, you know, in my ear, just like I did there to all of you. Because now you're going to have that song stuck in your head for a while today. And it's going to be really hard to get it out. But in my defense, there couldn't be a better reason to suffer through all of that just there uh, than, than for this in honor of today's guest, okay? Because that song, that hymn actually written back in the 60s uh, based on uh, John uh, chapter 13, verse 35, uh, is a song that always popped into my head when I would listen to today's guest address our parish congregation during Catholic Schools Week. Uh, now, the kicker here is that when, when this, that this was long after our own daughters, which I've talked about a lot on this podcast, uh, had graduated from a different Catholic school years earlier. So here I was, you know, every year sitting in a pew, uh, listening to this man, our guest today, uh, who was the then principal of this other school uh, connected to our, our then new parish, uh, talk about these other kids with other moms and dads that I didn't know from Adam or Eve. And yet the overwhelming sense that I and everybody would get from listening to our guest today talk about how these young minds and souls were were being shaped by the teachers and the clergy and, and then and personally by him at this school uh, was captured in that song. Okay, was captured in that song because these these young people uh, would be known as Christians by the love that was uh, surrounding them and and the love that was soon to be possessed and emitted by them as they grew up and went off into the world. Um, so anyway, uh, so, uh, but the story here in this intro uh, doesn't stop there. Sorry, I know this is kind of long, so I'll, t- I'll start talking a little bit faster. Uh, because that song continues to be the soundtrack for this man, for me, uh, as you fast forward to present day. Okay, So I was very recently uh, in a conversation with my brother-in-law, uh, Father Mark Wayman, who's been on the show. And he was telling me about this guy that I just had to interview uh, for Manny. He was a parishioner uh, at Mark's church. Uh, because, you know, he's just the embodiment of a humble, devoted man of God, uh, you know, a regular uh, early morning uh, mass goer who literally goes out of his way uh, to get others to mass, uh, a guy who's taken pilgrim- uh, pilgrimages uh, to the Holy Land, a guy who can evidently uh, knock out a whole Pentecost reading entirely in German, 
uh, for full effect. Uh, and so that guy that Mark was talking about is the same guy, the same guest uh, that we have here today. So I cannot wait for all of us uh, to get to know him uh, even better and, and, and keep that song. We're just going to keep that song in our head for just a few more minutes here. Please welcome today's man of man, Mr. Patrick Fox. Hey, Patrick. Hi, Jeffrey. How are you today? That introduction, I mean, you're going to peel me off the ceiling. I mean, that introduction is just, you know, uh, whatever you heard me say um, about my my students, uh, the, the material I had to work with just spoke for itself. So it was just so humbling and so easy to talk about them and their faith. So I had great material to work with. Well, and that's actually kind of where I want to start. You know, that's that's how I first, as I said, that's how I first uh, started to know of you as a principal of a Catholic school. And you've since moved on to a, to lead another even bigger Catholic school. So I kind of wanted to start just kind of there. How did how did you end up finding yourself uh, in you know kind of in Catholic education? Uh, great question. I've been I think 18, 20 years in public education, and I got a phone call from a actual uh, let's see a nephew through marriage who was. Um, leading up a search committee to hire a new principal. Um, uh, a sister, a nun, had been the principal for 20-some years, and they, he just said, you know, we haven't done this in so long. We'd like a few tips. How do we interview new principals? Uh, so long story short, after a long conversation, he said, what about you? And I said, oh, oh you know, maybe, you know, I'll think about that. And the more I, and the more I prayed about it, um, made the shift. And it was uh, certainly no turning back. Just uh, a wonderful experience um, with uh, the students and being able to uh, just see how living your faith and talking about your faith um, throughout the school day can just lead to so many incredibly amazing things. So, yep, turned into a no-brainer. Yeah. And I've, I've been doing that ever since. So, so prior to, to kind of having those two worlds converge for you where, cause I think a lot of us and a lot of us guys, you know, we all, you know, the dream is to have something that we, that we believe so strongly about our passions, you know, whether it's music or sports or faith, you know, to be able to do that for a day job, you know, so that it doesn't have to be this sort of balance between the vocation and the application for you. Was that, was it kind of two of these worlds coming together, uh, that, that were that were they separate for you before? It was like you had your faith life and everything, and then you had your day job. And was it kind of this convergence, nice convergence of two things that you cared so much about? Yeah, for the most part. But I had always, you know, it was more subtle or quiet, always brought my faith uh, into my work at a public school. And, you know, I should say, of course, there are values expressed in a public school as well. But um not as openly. So that was the, the major shift. Um, so all along the way, whomever I've met, it's kind of common to refer to a career in education as a calling or as a, a ministry, mm -hmm. because in so many ways it is. And then to shift into that uh, uh, faith-based environment, it just makes it so much more uh, a richer experience, uh, more open. Uh, you can utilize those values throughout the day for really good things uh, as you encounter uh, successes with kids or challenges or problems. And it's really a great way to help them learn along the way in their formative years how to make great use of, uh, of their faith. Um, I had really yeah. cool uh, 
short comment uh, from a, a dear friend who had adult children uh, and she had a conversation with her son. He was in his 20s. He said, you know, Ma, religion is just a crutch. You know, I don't need that. And she said, you're darn right. It's a crutch. When do you need a crutch? When you're injured, when you need healing. Mm-hmm. So you, you get to church right. and you make good use of that crutch. And so that was kind of neat how she responded that way. So um, back to schools, yeah. and, um, we can use that to our uh, just help us through life. Yeah, no, I love that too. You're like, you're darn right, it's a crutch. Um, you know, there's been a lot. There's been a lot written um, about you know uh, a little bit of a resurgence of Catholic schools over the last couple of years because of COVID. I mean, we've had uh, a good friend of mine, uh, Rob Birdsell, who's been on the show, is a big advocate for Catholic education, and you know they're experiencing you know, across the country, you know, this, this sort of uptick in folks that are coming back um, to, you know, uh, a parochial, you know, kind of education. A lot of it was brought on by, you know, just the ability to actually send kids to a, a school and kind of keep the routine up. But I'm wondering if you've seen that uh, for whatever reason, people returned or, or are returning to a Catholic education. Are you seeing you know, kind of those deeper spiritual, uh, that formation that's happening, even if people didn't, even if people are coming back just because they wanted to be able to, you know, send kids to a classroom, do you, are you, are you seeing, are you starting to see people kind of come back actually to the faith via, uh, you know, the school basically? Mm-hmm. In short, yes. Um, we were on, we were on an uptick before the pandemic and then folks really wanted that in-person uh, learning experience. So when giving tours during the pandemic, I would ask questions a little differently or probe a little differently. Are they here? Um, hopefully for the right reasons. And then the ultimate test of that was, are they going to stay long term? And the overwhelming majority of folks have stayed. So they're they're seeing those those side benefits that they would have considered side benefits. We all knew were the, the best part about those faith-based educational environments. Um, so yeah, it's been um, really interesting. You know, the it's pretty common. I think we've, we've had the grandparents. So often you get grandparents who really want their grandchildren in, in the uh, Catholic schools. And so it's interesting to make those connections. And sometimes they'll support uh, the family financially as well to make that happen. They know because they lived through it, they know the, uh, the benefits of, of those, uh, those experiences. And then that's a, that's an opportunity for us to grab the parents, right? That generation. Mm -hmm. And we have seen that uptick in, in parents, um, rejoining, uh, becoming more regular mass attendees. You know what? I, I even am so impressed if they, if they hadn't been going and then they just come for our children's mass each week, typically a midweek mass. I, to me, that's a win because they're coming back in and the chances of them, um, furthering their faith and continuing their journey, it just goes through the roof. So yeah, we're seeing all sorts of benefits that way. And it, it's just really impressive to see folks. I don't know if you'd say coming back, but they're investigating and then they're staying. Once they get in, they just see so many incredible benefits to that individualized faith-based education. You can tell I've, I've uh, spoken like this in, in many venues. So, uh, <laughs> it's, it's just true. It's, it, it's what happens. They, uh, yeah. they come back to us, the parents do, within a month or six months. And they say, oh, my gosh, my child, my kids. And they just, just can't stop bragging yeah. about the place. So it's fun to it's see that. so cool. 
That's neat. What about what about for you personally? We're going to talk next here. Well, you know, we'll kind of get into your own origin story and growing up and and all that kind of stuff. But but before we do that, you know, as you think of this now, you know, recent chapter for you in your calling has has being more in the. I mean, you're directly now in you know, the, the Catholic school setting you're in, it's where, even though before, like you were saying, you were able to bring, you know, those values and those, you know, Christian, um, you know, uh, kind of sneak it in, if you will, kind of in the public school setting, just by nature of, you know, character development, all that, all that kind of stuff. But now, you know, it's, it's, it's very conspicuous. Has it, has it, how has it affected your own, um, faith life and your own sense of, whether it's Catholic identity or, you know, whatever. I mean, is, has, has that, have you, have you sensed a, a, a strengthening or a different kind of complexion to your own faith journey through this new cool day job? <laughs> yes, definitely. Uh, whether it's uh, visiting a religion class or, or obviously going to the uh, weekly children's masses, um, just watching and observing and trying to take on what, what are the students experiencing, you know, through their lens? Uh, that's been so, it's just firming up my own foundation and the roots are going deeper. Um, parents of mine will notice a theme in my communications. I always say, um, you know, our, our students continue to be excellent role models to the rest of us. They really have their values mm-hmm. figured out, what's most important. So they're, they're fun to watch and, and it's just affirming and just, I don't know if it's their their fresh perspective, how they see things. Um, and there's certainly a really, you know, famous biblical reference to, you know, Jesus, you know, bring me the children and love these yeah. kids. Like just treat each other the way they, they want to, they treat each other. And I'm not articulating this very well, but just watching them and how they function and how they'll come in sometimes to the principal's office for a little discipline, which I always have to, that's usually such minor stuff, but they'll, before I can say anything, one will say, I forgive you. The other one says, I accept. I'm thinking, what am I doing here? You guys got this figured out. So <laughs> exactly. you know, send them off with a, a good message and thanks. And you never see them again. They, they just yeah. know what's most important in life. And they're so, great yeah. role models for it. So true. Yeah. They haven't, yeah, they haven't, uh, they haven't yet learned all the things that they need to unlearn as they get older, you know, and, mm-hmm. and that's, that's so true. So, so what about, what about your own story? Let's, let's go all the way back. Uh, and, and what was it like, uh, growing up in the, in the foxhole hold for, for you as a, as a kid? Yeah. Um, you know, the song you started with, and, you know, we could listen to that. You're singing Jeffrey for much, much longer. You should, you know. <laughs> but I, I'm old, so I remember folk masses and singing that song um, dozens of times. Um, so yeah, we were we were regular Catholics, um, church going, and let's see, my brother taught me how to be an altar server, so I got in on that. Um, at one point, let's see, my dad was a lector, my brother and I were serving, and my mother was a Eucharistic minister, and only my sister was left in the pew. So that was, you know, it was, again, <laughs> role modeling, right, and demonstrating that, and uh um, nothing real direct, but a lot of subtle conversation at home or subtle points. Um, so I think they, my parents did a nice job of uh, modeling their faith and then set expectations and as needed, you know, mostly it was, it was the old line about uh, actions more than words. Yeah. Um, and uh, everyone Catholic school educated, 
um, to a point. My father was a public school teacher, and at some point we just all shifted to the public school in town. But then I continued on with a, a couple of Catholic universities, and one thing led to the next. But that that kind of says it overall. The the environment growing up, church going, and it wasn't wasn't um, it was opportunity more than obligation. We just yeah. kind of had fun with it. There's yeah. this feeling, oh, we got to go. Right. Who were, who were some, uh, you know, we talk a lot uh, on MANA about, <clears throat> excuse me, role models and men that, you know, have played a particularly influential role in all of our lives, you know, kind of growing up. When you think back to, you know, kind of the younger days, who were some guys that you remember being particularly influential for you? Yeah, certainly my dad. And then now that I think about it, his brothers, he had a huge family and, um, uh, so he's the oldest of 16 and there were only three girls. So he was the oldest and my <laughs> youngest um, uncles were more like brothers and we didn't see them a lot. But when we did, they they just modeled it too. hey, we're going to mass tomorrow and then we're going to do this or that. So they kind of I don't think they ever knew know this or don't know this to this day, but they were served as role models. So I thought these guys are the coolest guys I know and they're doing yeah. this. And so it must be cool to go. So that was that just reinforced it. Um, you know, I'm trying to think, I guess, some some other adults I might have seen at, oh, I, my older brother, two years older, he was, you know, mm-hmm. obviously a, a role model, really cool, looked up to him, and then his friends. So uh, yeah. there was a circle of those guys who were all like altar servers and went to the Catholic school, and I thought they were pretty cool. So as a kid, yeah. that was neat. Um, through that, after that, then like college, going to a Catholic university, uh, some of the monks, um got to know a little bit as uh, advisors and they uh, or a, a faculty resident on the floors. They were exceptional role models. You could have real conversations, right? About anything. For sure. And they just uh, live their faith really well. Yeah. When, when you think of, um, well, and when you think of, and I loved how you said earlier, um, cause we've had other educators on the show. My brothers are both uh, teachers, my dad. And so, you know, in that, that word calling, is evoked often, uh, when people, uh, you know, talk about education and, and, and so I, so a lot of, um, a lot of teachers, you know, become role models too, because of just, you know, those kind of formative years as a, as an educator yourself, how, how kind of frontal lobe is that with how, 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 how top of mind is that as you go throughout your day? You know, it, it's very much frontal lobe and then it gets embedded. Um, everyone, parents know this, that the kids are sponges and they're always watching and they'll, you know, they'll model your behavior. They will um, also, this comes up a lot. If there's any kind of excitement, maybe really fun or something really bad in school, they will watch the adults for how they should respond. They're sponges, right? And they're, they're just observing all the mm-hmm. time. So keeping that in the forefront and then something I learned a long time ago, and I think um, it, it served me well and just try to keep this embedded and always using it. Just the simple phrase, what do you want them to remember? So any encounter, mm-hmm. um, whether, like I said before, a little uh, uh, example of maybe a discipline issue is needed. And that's a real traditional term. We just talk about, you know, how to correct some behaviors or help them change some behaviors. But you can go and point a finger and yell and get all gruff what would they remember from that, you know, and, or yeah. you can go up and just ask questions. It's, so what's going on? Or, Hey, it doesn't seem like you did that for no reason. Tell me about that. So you help kind of solve, figure out what's going on. And then what do they remember from that? Hey, that adult was, they wanted to listen. They wanted to hear what was wrong. And then hopefully, you know, they, 
either offered some advice on how to fix it or help me solve it, something like that. So keeping in mind that they are those sponges, they will take our lead, um, good or bad. And uh, what do you really want them to remember from it? And how do you want them to move on? I just, uh, we just recently, um, throughout, uh, throughout our MANA recordings, I just recently interviewed another uh, uh, guest who, not sure if he's going to come before or after this episode, so we'll kind of leave him <laughs> nameless here. But uh, we were talking about that passage in the book of James that talks about basically teachers and, you know, we're, we're, and I, I'm horrible at citing scripture like verbatim, but it's basically the one about, you know, you know, be careful about being teachers because you're going to be scrutinized even more highly than the rest of us kind of a thing. What I think really helps in my experience now that you mentioned that is, you know, if you mess up as an adult, don't try to, I mean, just admit it and acknowledge that with kids and, and apologize. That's role modeling how to recover and they really appreciate it. Think of the opposite. Oh yeah, that you know, never you know, he's a jerk or something like that. They they should have taken responsibility. It's it's real to them. They really appreciate that because you're telling them, "Yep, even the big kids screw up, but we can recover." Yeah, yeah, no, that's great. Wow. That's great. Well, it's already time to get to the fun segment of the of the big show here, and so this is the uh, segment where uh, we ask the same three questions of every guest. And, uh, and we just see what they have to say. So, uh, question, fun segment, question number one, uh, if Jesus knocked on your door tomorrow morning and just wanted to hang out for the day, just you and Jesus, you can do anything you want. You got the full day with him. What are you going to do with Jesus? Uh -huh. So preface, you've mentioned some pilgrimages I've been on, um, a kind of a pilgrimage I've done forever, well, 20 some years, is go to the Boundary Waters. So I want to take Jesus to the Boundary Waters with me. I'm leaving in a few days. Um, so many references to what the calm waters or the stormy seas and casting out into the deep. And mm -hmm. I can't imagine having a shore lunch with Jesus, right? And I have a feeling he'd be, I just like to look at him and say, you know, Jesus, how, how do you feel about your father's creation up here in northern minnesota I, I picture him just kind of smiling but just having him there and I, i'll tell you it feels like i bring him along every year of course but having him physically present in the canoe at the campsite would just be incredible yeah that would be so great yeah no no risk of not getting the shore lunch that day you no, know you're, no. you're pretty pretty much guaranteed yeah. <laughs> i've been on those trips where we're like well we're gonna we're gonna try to catch our lunch and then we'll see how it goes like oh I'm guessing he'd be a, a good uh, little insurance plan in the, in the canoe. I think so too. I think so too. All right. Fun segment question number two. If you could go to church with any other guy, uh, living or dead, uh, famous or not, who are you going to go to church with? So I'm continuing my theme. My wife and I had an incredible once in a lifetime opportunity to do the pilgrimage to the Holy Land um, about a month ago. And so I'm carrying on with a theme with water here. So we got to go to the Sea of Galilee, see the synagogue that's right there. And um, Peter's, what turns out to be, I, I'm sorry, I didn't know this, basically a mansion. So we saw what was left, kind of the ruins of Peter's home, because he was he had fishermen and boats, so he was he was doing all right on the Sea of Galilee. So I thought, I want to go to church with him. So part of my rationale is, right, he was called, but didn't really realize it or wasn't accepting at first. He was challenged incredibly, went through periods of doubt. He had moments of weakness and, and what I re would refer to as peer pressure. Um, and ultimately, all of that led to him being 
being called and accepting the position as, I mean, the rock of the church, right? So who hasn't been through some of those things? And far be it for me to put myself anywhere near him, but having had similar experiences to sit in a pew at mass where we recreate the last supper basically and, and have that Eucharist, that Thanksgiving all the time and just, just be present with him. And I think I'd have to do the coffee and donuts afterwards with him just to see what he thinks. And, uh, get some <laughs> advice from him. He might enjoy the statues of himself and see how close he is to that, those likenesses that we put up in our churches. Yeah. yeah. Well, and for so many years, you know, as, as you, as an adult, especially when you, really hear the those same bible you know passages that talk about peter and the denying three times and all, just really all the all the times peter had a, a good run of kind of missteps and mistakes and i uh, didn't really get it right and 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 for a while i used to think how ironic that was you know that all of a sudden you know and, and that's and he's now the rock that the church is built on but then just recently, I realized that there's no irony in that. Like that's that's the whole point. All right, fun segment question number three. Uh, if you could give uh, just one piece of advice to a younger man, what would that one piece of advice be about, you know, just living a, uh, a confident, humble, holy life of faith? Yeah, uh, this comes, uh, first thing that came to mind was a homily by Father Mark Pavlak at, at Cana. So of course he was talking about the, uh, the good wine and then the, basically the cheap wine. And he contextualized this so well. He said, what is surrounding us right in our society? It's don't get caught up in all the cheap wine, go for the best wine. And he said something, and I'm paraphrasing terribly. Don't do him justice. It just hit me. You know, God put the best wine right there in your heart, and that's where God is. Mm-hmm. So stick with that. Don't get caught up in all the, the minor things that are always uh, coming at us to uh, to give a try, and it's just you know kind of without foundation. Um, whether or not a young person, and there's a lot of people younger than me now, Jeffrey, that's for <laughs> sure, um, could relate to that. Um, the other part of that would be. Be yourself. Um, there's an old line, be yourself. Everybody else is already taken, right? So yeah. be yourself. God created you to do good work. He gave you gifts. So use them, use your talents and do good things. And then don't worry what other people think. Be yourself. Because ultimately, especially younger, uh, what, teenagers, they're pretty self-focused, which is right where they should be um, developmentally. But it seems like sometimes you can find groups of kids and they're all wondering who the leader is. So just be yourself and be a good role model and and kids will respect you for that. Uh, surrounded by a lot of good Father Marks in the world. That's good. Well, yeah. and I appreciate uh, I appreciate uh, my brother, the Father Mark, for connecting the two of us. And thank you so much uh, for taking this time to be here on MANA. It's just been great to for me personally to make this connection now with you uh, these years later and just really happy that others listening now get a chance to know you and get that song still stuck in their head. I'm not going to sing it again. It's, it's still there for everybody, but thanks again for, uh, for being on MANA. My pleasure, Jeffrey. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to MANA. If you have any questions or recommendations for future guests, send them to manapodcast at gmail.com.